Welcome back to another episode of Salty Saints Podcast. I'm Zach. I am hanging out with my friend Bob today. He is one of the pastors here at New Hope Church, and I have been trying to get this guy to sit in this seat and to talk into this microphone for months and months and months. And at first it was a hard no, and slowly over time I've just broken him down and destroyed his spirits to the point that now he is sitting here in front of me. <laughs> What's up, Bob? Hey. How you doing? Great. How are you today? I'm uh, I'm good. I'm hanging good. out. I'm, I'm very happy to get to talk to you. I'm happy to talk to you. Yes. Excellent. Um, so for anybody listening, who are you, Bob? Who are you? What do you do? Who are you? I, uh, I think foremost, I'm a husband, a father, um, a brother, friend, and uh, um, just someone that who uh, loves serving. And I think that's who I am. Pretty Excellent. simple. Wonderful, wonderful. I just turned you up there a little bit. Um, here at New Hope, what do you do? I'm one of the pastors here and um, really oversee a care ministries um, involved in just what it says, care, care of people. Uh, everything from um, pastoral counseling to um, just taking care of people. Um, spend a lot of time with a lot of people uh, in prayer, um, just in conversation, just really getting close to people, especially those who are struggling somewhere with something. That's excellent. That's excellent. Um, so it's it's a great, great ministry. For sure. And you're very good at it. Thank um, you. Better than probably anyone I've ever seen at it uh, to the point where it has left an impact on me in a lot of ways. Um, the The main thing about you that I noticed is that you remember things. Like you remember the things people tell you and I watch you take notes. You'll write them down on your little sticky notes or on your, you know, you'll have a little notepad with you because you want to make a point to remember things. I do. And I don't know anybody else that does that. I don't know a single other person that will walk. Like I just remember, I don't remember what exactly it was, but it is, it's something I told you about like weeks prior and you walk up to me and you're like, Hey Zach, how's that going? You know? And I'm like, what? Like you what <laughs> you remember that you know um and that that's crazy like i think i think we live in a world where people don't remember things i think zach that people don't want to remember things and i also find it that we as a society have this fear of bringing up certain things in people's lives Afraid that we're going to hurt them or cause them to be sad, yeah, or something like that, such as, um, you know, a death of a loved one. Yeah, I don't do it as much as I'd like to because it doesn't always come to mind. But I may recall somebody or see somebody and think, you know what? I remember it's about this time of year that they lost somebody close to them in their family, and I will actually say something to them about you know, um, a time of prayer or a remembrance, something about, hey, I remember something happened this time yeah. five years ago, 10 years ago. And people are not hurt by that. They're actually uh, very happy that someone cared enough to mention it. But it's a big fear with people. Man. Yeah, that's, uh, it's something that I think, we all need to do better at because I think it's impact. Like, I mean, it's, it, it has an impact on people when they realize that you remember them. Um, like when I, I, I cut hair, you know that, I don't know if it, anybody listening to this knows that I cut hair and, um, I try to remember things about the people that come in and, and especially now that I can't see their faces. Um, I have to tie ideas to the person's name because if I just see their face, uh, all I see is the eyes up, your you know the nose up, whatever. 
and because uh, of the masks. And people are always shocked when I'll just kind of pull out something and be like, oh, yeah, you're the guy that's uh, – you, you were just put in a swimming pool last time I saw you. And it was like maybe two months ago or something. They're like, oh, wow, you remember that. And I think that people respect that. People like feel cared about when you remember them, you know? Yeah, I, I agree. Totally yeah. agree. Yeah, that's yeah. awesome. Yeah, love it. And so you do that. You do that here for the church, uh, mm-hmm. but you're also a chaplain at the fire department here mm-hmm. in Greenwood. That's correct. Gotcha. Yes. I've been there since 1992. Gotcha. And then you I've served also as a chaplain in hospitals for 28 years, nine months. Uh, 13 of those were critical care and five in hospice. So it's it's a wonderful, wonderful ministry. You have great opportunities to uh, place yourself where people are in their lives, not where you are, where they are. Right. And just reach out. I mean, it, it's just, it's unbelievable how exciting it is, even though people are going through tough times. You have this great opportunity to listen to their story, uh, to, to make them feel cared for and um, that's really what it is. It's a ministry, a ministry of presence more than it is of anything that you could ever say. And it, it is really fun. It is really fun. Um, is it kind of the same uh, throughout, like working as a chaplain in a hospital versus working as a chaplain in the fire department? I think the big difference, um, well, if I take all of those, including here at the church, uh, there's quite a um, – a difference and you're doing the same work but you're gosh I hate to use the word audience but I'm going to say your audience the people you're reaching out to are different so here at church I have an opportunity to get to know a lot of people and in many many cases different members of their family some of which are not part of our congregation so you you have this um you know you just you're just more closer to to them and the hospital situation which i loved it in care especially um you figure most people were in hospitals one to three or four days um in some instances you could have people in the hospital for a month and they're they're lonely they have it's been tough for the last year, but basically they'll have family that'll come in, or we assume they have family to come in. There's a lot of patients that never have a soul come in there. Their family does not come in. Maybe they can't, or maybe maybe there's situations they don't want to. And you have this great opportunity to share with them, listen to them, love on them. Um, uh, again, hear their story, and opens the door to faith um, all the time. And it also, I, I would see in hospitals, people of that say, no, I absolutely um, want nothing to do with anybody that wants to talk anything about the Lord or your Lord or your God. And, you know, if I just handle it correctly, we talk about whatever, including their own faiths. The fire service, what's different there is you don't necessarily have the relationship with people that you're, you know, helping in the community. So you respond to an incident, and um, it can be very quick, meaning um, maybe they don't need emergency services or um, they're packaged and transported to a hospital, so it's quick, you know, there, kind of an in and out, or a situation where maybe there's a death, and you're spending more time at the scene with people, but it's still, it could be less than three hours, let's say, and you may never see them again. So each different part of ministry can bring all kinds of different things. Right. It's not, it's never the same. Never twice. the same. Um, you said you get to talk to people that might want nothing to do with God. They don't want you to talk about God. You said, if I handle that right, maybe we'll end up talking about their faith, their life, 
you know, what's going on with them. What do you mean by if you handle it right? What do you what what does that normally look like? I think it's the focus on um, on them, the person. So I'll, I'll give you an example. Um, hospital setting many years ago, um, I would get a list of you know patients to see that day, and a lot of times social services would have have already asked them, "Is it okay if a chaplain stops in?" Uh, this particular case. They, you know, forgot to tell me or didn't mark the sheet or whatever it was that this person absolutely wanted nothing to do with the chaplain. And, of course, I knock on the door and went into the room and announced who I was. And this person says, oh, my gosh, I want nothing to do with you. And I said, oh, okay, that, that's fine. I just wanted to say, introduce myself to you and went on to say to me that, you know, I'm an atheist. Um, I absolutely do not believe any of the garbage uh, that you could possibly ever say to me. And uh, I just just kind of stood there for a second, and I said, well, I really hope you get better and whatever all the things I said about getting better. And so the person decided to keep talking. And they said, um, well, you know, do you know why I'm here? And I said, no, I don't have your medical records in front of me, and proceeded to tell me, why they were there. And I said, oh, my gosh, what a story. You want to hear my story? Yeah, I want to hear your story. And so the person actually invited me to sit down. And I sat down, and this person told me a long, long story. Uh, this was a young person um, and had an unbelievable story about life from childhood up to this person was probably late 20s, um, had become homeless, had got on drugs, prostitution, uh, just all kinds. And I sat and listened for a very long time, probably well over an hour, and would just, you know, say things like, oh, I, you know, I can't imagine, you know, going through that. That's got to be tough. And then just listen to them. And all of a sudden, um, when this person was done speaking, I thought, you know what, I'm not going to press it any, any, anything, you know, about it. I just said, you know what, I am really glad to hear your story today. And this person says, I can't believe that you sat there and listened to me ramble and you didn't judge me. When will you be back? I would like for you to come see me again. I said, well, I'm here every so many days. Marked it on my sheet. I'd love to come back. I'd love to hear more about you. I'd love to see, you know, where you're going. Once you get out of the hospital, knew that the patient was going to be there for several weeks because of what had happened to the patient. And um, went back and visited time and time again to the point to where this person finally said, okay, tell me about your Jesus. Told the person about Jesus and the impact Jesus has had on my life, and it was a great, great conversation. Um, don't know that that person gave their their life to the Lord, but absolutely changed their perspective because the person even said, "This has really opened my eyes." But it all came back to is that I gave that person the opportunity without interrupting them, without confrontation about where they were in their life where are you in your life it was very very successful what was interesting is after that i was told hey, hey you're not supposed to go in there and you know they don't want you in there i said oh i've worked all that out so it's very interesting the doors that the lord opens for you you just got to be ready to step through that's awesome I've said it, and I'll say it the rest of the time we talk. It's very fun. Again, it's not fun that people have problems. You have this great opportunity. It's like a, it's like an adventure. <laughs> it is a total adventure. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, the, you give that vibe though when you talk about about your experiences in ministry. Mm -hmm. Like, I can tell you're excited by the stuff. Like, mm -hmm. and it's it's interesting too because, you know. I know that a lot of what you deal with is really tough stuff, but you see a positive, like a silver lining to it, and that's awesome. And I wish I was better at that. 
<laughs> I always think, and I do always think, um, that there's going to be a, a day in my life. I imagine there will be a day in my life that I'm going to hope that, you know, something's happened with me. And I'm going to hope that someone will just come and be present to me. I just, I, I think about that. And I think, how would I want to be cared for by somebody like that? You know, I'm not a physician or I'm not an EMS, you know, on fire department runs or in, incidents of things that go on here at church. I can't fix, but I can help you fix. You know, I can help guide you typically through your own story and the things you want. It's just, it's mind boggling. Now it's, it's very hard. It's not easy. I mean, it, it's, it's difficult to take some of that in. And I've thought over all of these years that, um, I can't, I'll never hear anything that's going to shock me again because I feel like I've heard it all or in incidences on the street, I feel like I've seen it all the most horrible things you could ever see with your eyes. But yet it just continues. It just, it's something different every day. Man. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, it is. So you've talked a little about what you do, mm -hmm. what your ministry looks like. Mm -hmm. um, how did you get here? Wow. I'll, I got to say this, Zach. I got to start at the at the foundation, in the in the very part, the very beginning of the foundation is I was have been blessed by the Lord, absolutely from day one. I have had my mother is deceased. My dad is still living, quite elderly, but unbelievable parents great foundation of life and family, three incredible brothers, um, married 42 years, uh, an incredible spouse, adult, two adult children, five grandchildren. Just all of that has grown, but the foundation was an, an incredible family life that not everybody has, and you actually don't hear about a lot of those. Um, just great family. Um, my grandparents died when I was really little, three, four years old, except for one grandmother. And my grandmother was just an unbelievable, incredible woman influence in my life. And when I was around, I don't know, 10 years old is what I usually say. I'm nine, 10 years old. I spent a lot of time with her. She stayed at our house a lot, went to her house a lot. Um, she was just totally in love with the Lord. And she took the King James Version of the Bible and read every word of that Bible to me over a period of time. And as a 9, 10-year-old boy, you would think that I would be just fidgeting and fall asleep or didn't really want to hear all of this, you know, over time. But I was the opposite. I listened to every word she said. And in every now and then she would stop and she would point out different things that she thought was, well, that's all important, but there's you know, specific things that she thought was that I should really know. And then as the time went on, um, she lived in a really poor area, the west side of Indianapolis, and uh, she didn't drive or anything like that. She would walk to the corner to a, a missionary Baptist church and I would go with her sometimes and as she introduced me to a lot of the people that were I'm going to say older um, at the time and the activities and dinners and all the different things that she did she would just kind of let me go and for whatever reason I was really attracted to these people and a lot of them were in wheelchairs and you know they just had you know handicapped type special needs and I would just seem to be real attentive. And she would always tell me or planted the seed that she felt like my gifts were compassion, mercy, compassion, mercy. And I didn't know what that was. And through scripture would 
always repeat like first Peter four ten about gifts and you know, using your gifts, not neglecting your gifts and just other other scriptures around those gifts. And it just kind of really soaked into me. Uh, gave my life to Christ uh, when I was 14 years old, got baptized. And when that happened, she said, now we really need to talk about your gifts. And what are they? And how are you going to use them? And how important it was. And I think she planted that seed in me, but it just seemed like it just started there. Man. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, Very awesome. And so from there, Mm -hmm. that would have been nine or ten? Well, she started, yeah, she read the Bible probably over a year or so. I mean, it it was a lot. I mean, we, we spent a lot of time her reading to me. And, yeah, and then I... Was saved and baptized when I was 14. 14, mm-hmm. okay. Mm-hmm. And then from baptism, where where did you go from there to to here? Well, actually, the fire service was kind of interesting because uh, when I was I had just turned 15, um, Indianapolis Fire Department had a, they probably still do, a an Explorer Scouts program in the fire service. And you had to be 15 at the time. And there was some of my buddies that were involved in that. I got involved in that. And then immediately, uh, which is now still Indianapolis Fire Department, but the township that I lived in, it was a township fire department at the time, started a cadet program. And I got involved in that. And from there, you know, took training and, you know, first aid and things like that. And they trained you some in fire. When I was 18, became a volunteer firefighter um, from the cadet program and um, more training in fire, more training in emergency medical services and uh, enjoyed it, but always fell back to a chaplain type role, even though I really didn't know what that was. It was just something very natural for me. And so I kind of progressed in that in my life. But I think what really kind of set the tone for me was I was about 29, 28, 29 years old and um, still involved in fire service, been involved ever since. So, But uh, a friend of mine had introduced me to the concept of visiting shut-ins, which I never liked that word. I never liked shut-ins. I just... I just hated that. I always called them my senior friends, but whatever. <laughs> so um, introduced me to uh, visiting shut-ins. And so this person had gone on Friday mornings, and they had a schedule of people they saw. And then they said, you got to try this. It's really a lot of fun. And I was like, well, I'm, I work, and it's really hard for me. No, just try. You go, you know, make appointment. So one person I met, well, her name was Mary. And she was 90 years old. I've told this story a few times. Some people have probably heard this. But her name was Mary. And she was, when I went to visit her at 9 o'clock in the morning on a Friday, on Fridays, she was just, she lived in a home by herself. Um, very, very, just really a pretty woman. Just, you know, just interesting. You wouldn't believe that she was 90. Always had a beautiful dress on. Always had some kind of pearl necklace or something on. And she was just really interesting. And we would just we would just chat. It was just visiting. It was just a visitation. And we'd have prayer and, and things like that. It was it was just lots of fun to get to know this lady. Well, I had no real training of of anything. You know, I was just kind of whatever and I've always uh, I would say always had this thing about I'm just not afraid to ask a question to you. I mean I if it's on my mind, I'll ask you, and hopefully I don't offend you or hurt you or whatever. I would just ask, and again, tell the tell me your story, but I didn't know that was something to do. I just did it naturally, and I start asking this woman about her life, and she had been a school teacher, and she had gotten married, told me all about getting married, and tells me all about having this child, and, and tells me this story about uh, this man, you know, she gets home from school and got, has her child. Her child's real young and gets a knock on the door. And in the evening, she's fixing supper, wondering where her husband was. And 
gets us knock on the door. What happened was he got killed in a car wreck. And she tells me, over, now this is over days and days of meeting her on Friday. She t- continues to tell me the story, which really, I mean, I was, you know, really intrigued into this story. And she would tell me that um, about him and her, her pain. But then this girl, as she grew up, this daughter of hers ended up with leukemia and died. So she was alone. And to keep to cut the story down, basically what she had done was taken all the personal things that she had of them and then put them in this huge box. You may have seen them there, I don't know, four or five inch, six inches tall, whatever can fit under your bed, and really big squared boxes and shoved it under her bed to never revisit that box for years and years. This woman is 90 years old. So this these incidents happened a long time ago. And she was just, I mean, the sweetest lady. I just kept asking questions. And I said, why don't you ever get in that box? Oh, because I think it'd be too painful. And again, no training and no no real filter. I said, I think I think we ought to look at this box. And I got her to open this box. And she, over time, would start digging things out. Next thing you know, I would come on a Friday and there would be different things laid out. And um, one of her things that she talked about this girl was how much her daughter had loved these little hostess cupcakes. We start bringing them. Well, let's celebrate. The, I, again, I don't, Zach, I just don't know where all this come from with me, you know, but I mean, it, I do. It's come from the Lord, but I'm just saying. So I started bringing this cupcakes and we start celebrating this girl eating these cupcakes anyway. She got ill, and and things were kind of changing for her, and she had gone to the hospital, and um, she said to me, um, I have a challenge for you. You have no idea what you've done to my life. I'm 90 years old. And I'm towards the end of my life. I'm at the end of my life. You have no idea what you've done. I'm like, what have I done? And, and she says, you've made a survivor out of me and all these years. And I said, well, how did I do that? And she goes, you just did because you were bold enough to, to care about me, all of my friends and people that I taught with and all these activities she'd been with. She goes, nobody ever asked me about, you know, my husband that died back years ago. Nobody ever asked me about a child that I had that died and I was alone for all these years. I never dated, never remarried, never did, any, you know, never had anything like that. Nobody ever asked me, but you did, and you invited me and caused me to think, well, maybe I could, and it was survivorship. So her challenge to me was to go to that cross, go to the cross of the Lord, go to the cross, fall down in front of that cross, lift someone else in prayer, and lead them to survivorship. She goes, that's your challenge. Well, it was right after that, she opens the Bible, um, Isaiah 41, comfort, comfort, my people, says your God, you know, and it stuck with me. And it all of a sudden, it was like the lights came on that this is what my grandmother has been teaching me, you know, just comfort. You just, you know, she would, my grandma would use that term a lot, just comfort people, just, just be present. You know, it's not what you say or it's just be present. And when this Mary gave me that challenge, like I said, I was 20, 29, whatever, 30 years old at the time. It just really opened the door. And, and I've just I've taken that challenge, held on to that challenge. And um, that's where I've been all these years. Man. Yeah. So it's like your, your grandma kind of planted that seed. Totally believe it. And then her name was Mary. This woman's name was Mary. And she just kind of, it came full circle at that full point circle. in time. That's awesome, man. Yeah. yeah. That's so cool. Unbelievable. But what you did, though, you didn't have any formal training. None. At that time, none. You weren't, you weren't, it's not like you had some kind of knowledge that that made you more equipped for that job. You just went in there and you just took an interest. Yeah. And you loved her. Absolutely. That's it. Yeah. Anyone can do that. Yeah. Huh. They, they can. 
Now, I've had lots and lots of formal training since, lots and lots. And some of it, I mean, most of it, I feel like I've been trained by some of the best people. I mean, the best teachers. I really do. um, But there's been sometimes I've thought, you know, in training, you know, they'll say, you know, the first step is this and the second step is that. And, you know, you kind of go down and I'm thinking, no, I I don't know. I think, you know, I, I would challenge that. I would say. No, you know, the first step to me is being present, being just being there. Just, again, you go to people to where they are in their life. Now, that's not always easy. That's easy to say. It's not always easy to do. But if you keep telling yourself, you know, no, I'm going to where they are, you know, and and you go without judgment. Yeah, It's hard because— like I say, people tell you a lot of things. A lot, a lot of them are very painful. A lot of them are shocking. Hmm. But you still go to where they are in their life. Man, I. Uh, that's hard to do. It's it is hard to do. I mean, it's, it's you have to be really disciplined. I mean, it takes. That's the thing. I, I watch some people that just crumble. Um, there's there's people in the world that just. They can't handle any kind of stress. They can't handle any kind of uh, hearing about other people's problems. Like they, they don't know what to do with it, you know. And they just kind of like the anxiety gets them. And so, yeah, I, I think you nailed it, saying you you gotta you gotta be prepared. You've gotta be disciplined. You gotta know how to do that. But at the same time, we need to be doing this. Like this is something all of God's people need to be doing is just being present for other people. Well, we also have um, we have been somewhat trained, I think, in our responses. I, I wrote this paper, and I wished I had brought it with me because I can't memorize it all right now. But I started making lists of things that people say that I think, oh, these are the most horrible responses. But some of them would be, um, you know, at a death of something, they'll, people will say to another, um, well, you know, I'm glad you had them for X amount of years or so. Well, that's not. That's not helpful. Or, you know, I can't tell you, Zach, how sad this is. Uh, you can only imagine how many times I've been with families where um, a, a newborn has died. Um, or maybe it's been a still, you know, birth. I've, I've been present and um, or, or called in to those situations. And to have other people that really, they don't mean to be harmful in any way, shape, or form. But they make the comment, well, you know, you're young. And you can have another baby. Well, no, they wanted that baby. That was their baby. Yeah. Or, well, I know how you feel. Well, no, you don't know how you feel. Maybe you had a similar experience, but you don't know how they feel. Right. So I don't go into it. I, I don't say things to you like, oh, I know how you feel. I, I don't. Know. I don't because I don't know how you I feel. I say that all the time as a response, not saying like, <laughs> like, it, it's almost like one of my default responses to say like, oh, I get it. You know, I, I get it. I get what you're saying. And it's like, I'm not trying to say I understand how you feel. I'm trying to say, like, I I understand that you feel that way and that's okay. You know what I yeah. mean? But, like, it doesn't come out right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, one thing I've told a lot of people over the years, one thing, one of the greatest things I learned in, in classes over the years, um, and I tell a lot of people this, the two safest words you can tell people or say to people is tell me. So, well, I'm, you know, I don't feel good today. Well, tell me, tell me about that. Or, you know, I'm really hurt. Well, tell me that story. You know, tell me, you know, I don't tell you, you, you tell me. But, um, you know, it's, um, again, great opportunities to reach out and and touch people. The other thing that I find interesting is uh, in people's responses is that we want, we we don't mean to, but we misquote scripture in terms of mm. things like, well, you know, the Lord never gives you any more than you can handle. Well, that, that's not in the scripture. Now, if you're talking about temptation, you know, he talks about temptation. But um, I've never found in scripture where he gives you, he wants you to rely on him, you know. So, um, yeah, you hear, you hear that a lot. A lot of people will mis, misquote scripture, and that's... The Lord never gives you more than he can handle. <laughs> there we go. That's right. That's, that's not bad. That's right. I like that. Yeah. Um, yeah. 
Yeah, no, I, I hear that a lot. I hear a lot of mis misquoted Bible verses out there, um, just because we're used to yeah. thinking it, so yeah. we say it. Yeah, absolutely. We're like, and oh, we don't mean no. Yeah, no. no. It just you know we're trying to think of something to say, and but it's that lack of discipline. It's that yeah. lack of understanding. It's that lack of study. Yeah, you know, we we need to know our stuff. That's a reason, right? I have another story for you. Let's hear it. Um, early on um, in hospital, um, I've told this story before too, um, many times. I I just did special care kind of stuff in the hospital. I wasn't a chaplain. I just the special care, you know, go and sit with somebody, you know, whatever. Just It was just a ministry of presence again. Um, I had been sent to, um, I was really brand new. I had been sent to a room where... Um, a patient had died and the husband was in, in the room and I went in and I was shivering all over. Cause again, I, I was just kind of volunteering and I was just starting into kind of learning what's going on. Since I didn't know what to say, this man was standing at the window and he was wiping tears out of his eyes. His wife's in the hospital bed. She's deceased. And, um, I was so nervous. So I sat down in the chair I said who I was. Then I, he kind of nodded at me, and I sat on the chair, and I sat there, and I was wringing my hands. I mean, I, I just really had no idea what to do. And all of a sudden, this man walks over to me, and I stood up. You know, he starts walking to me. I stood up. He shakes my hand, and he says, oh, thank you. Thank you for being here. Thank you for giving me what I needed right now. And I'm thinking, what? did I give you? I didn't say that, but I was thinking, oh my goodness, I've sat here and shivered. You know, I, I just was so quiet. And he says, I needed somebody just to be here and just to be supportive, to make me feel like I was supportive, but didn't lecture me and didn't tell me all the things, the feel good kind of things. You were just here and it means so much to me. Like, gosh, I, I never thought of it that way. But, but I do now, and so I share that story because it is so important that you can just be present in your approach to people, like on emergency runs and things you know I'm involved in um, with police and fire, is that if I go screaming in to a door of a home or in a yard or accident scene or whatever that is, then I'm not helping anybody. So you have to go in very quietly and slowly and... You, you end up talking a lot slower than you normally do because people's heads are spinning and they can't grasp all the things that you think you need to say. And it's it's just amazing how it works. Man. Yeah. I'm the kind of person that always feels like I'm supposed to say something. And I generally feel like an idiot after I do. Because I'm like, that didn't even make any sense. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like, yeah. I don't feel like I was helpful at all, you know? Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I think that's really interesting. That just just be there. Just be there. Yeah. Hmm. People ask the, the same questions all the time. Why is this happening? Where's God? Why is this happening? Where, where is God? Why is this happening over, over, and over again? How did this happen to this person? And and my somewhat can comment is, is I really wish I had a really good answer for you. But I don't. I don't have a good answer for you. And I'm not going to just make one up. And people will just kind of, okay. But when it's over, when the, everything's over and you're leaving, 100% of the time, how many th- things happen in our lives that are 100%? 100% of the time, the people will say, thank you for being honest with me. Thank you for just being here. Thank you for helping me through when I never felt, sometimes I don't feel like I've done anything. But just being there and guiding, next step is this. Because you know, there's predict, you know, there's certain predictions, you, you know, you know what's going to happen next on certain situations in a hospital or here at church or wherever. You, you, after a while, you get used to, okay, this is what's going to happen next. And you guide them. But I never come up with things that, you know, where's God? I believe he's right here. Really? You think he's right here? Yes. Yes. I hope, I hope you feel his embrace. I hope you feel his embrace. 
Hmm. I believe he's with you. You do? Yes. Yes. I hurt. Yes, you do. Always affirm him. Yes. Oh, I hurt so bad. Yes. Yes. Man. Uh, you got me thinking now, too. Like, I mean, if you were to ask me why do bad things happen, mm-hmm. I could sit down and I could theologically sure. walk through that with you. Absolutely. I could say, yeah, here's why. But that's not going to help somebody. No, right it doesn't. Then. No, you start in with a fall of, you know, yeah, you, it, it, no. It, and I don't volley scriptures. I don't do that. Right. I, it's not that I'm trying to hide. They don't need a lecture. That. No, they don't need a lecture. They need, they need people. No. They need, they need a, a relationship right there. Absolutely. Need, yeah. yeah. Man. Yeah. Okay. A lot of things have happened over all of these years that have just really made my mind just spin. Um, I was at a, an automobile accident, which I seldom respond to, but it just was close or something years ago. It was raining. I remember that. I had a hood on, you know, over my jacket, clearly identified, you know, you know, fire department person, stood back a little bit. And um, these these teenage girls were in this, had been in this car. One of them was injured, not, not real bad, but just a little bit of injury, a little bit of an injury. And the other... Uh, three girls were sitting on a curb and they were attending to somebody in another car. And I mean, it was, it was a bad crash, but it wasn't like really bad injuries or anything. It was, it was okay. But I was just kind of standing there taking in, always keeping my eyes open for things. And all of a sudden this, one of these teenage girls gets up off the curb and it's raining like heck. She walks over to me and she says, I just feel like, you're here for me. I may I hug you? Okay. She hugged me. I just feel like I've been supported, like I needed there's there's something about you, I don't know what it is. There's some something that says you're you're safe, you're okay. Came over, hugged me, cried a little bit, talked to her, talked to the other girls, need to get hold of your parents like that how you know how can we get a hold of them just kind of walk down that down that path with them it it's it just I mean I walk away going I mean what was I putting off what was I I wasn't do, I wasn't saying anything wasn't even standing right with them I was just there that person felt like I was they were drawn that I they needed to come up they wanted a hug they wanted can you help me with What's next? What I'm seeing over and over here, though, is that you're not doing anything particularly special. You are just being – you're there and willing, and you're letting God do the rest. Simply serving. Right. In the simplest way. I think that's so foreign to us, though. I think we hear that, and we're like, no, i got to do more. And it's like, no, just just take the first step. You know, because so often when we think like, oh, no, I've got to do more – we don't end up doing anything. Exactly. Y- you right. know, like just take that first step, go be there and then figure it out from there. So, you know, you and I've talked a lot. Um, and, you know, here at church, there are different times of the year or different time things going on. You know, this COVID pandemic has, has been hard on everybody. I can get a lot of calls a lot of calls at different times of the day and throughout the night. I mean, it is, it's rough. And I answer the phone. Right. And some people say, you've got to, I've had people say, you've got to put a boundary around this. No, I I understand that. You know, I understand that. I'm no good to anybody if I don't get adequate rest or whatever it is. I get that. But I go back to what I had said earlier. I hope if I have a need that somebody's, you know, will be present to me. To me, sometimes the I think the the first part of helping somebody is answering that phone. You know, yeah, it's one o'clock in the morning. Yeah, you're asleep or whatever. You, yeah, I answer the phone. I take the call. I've missed some, of course, but I mean, I take the call. And you triage it, so to speak. Figure out is this something? You know, how do we get whatever's happening? calmed to a point to where maybe they can go to sleep and maybe we can talk later the next day or something like that. 
man. But it's t- it's taking the call. It's simple, simple serving. I don't, that's why I struggle with a lot of things that are very complicated. In you know, ministry can be very complicated. You know, it, it can be. It, it's it's quite challenging. It's totally different in my role here than it would be somewhere else. Because, like I say, and when I was in hospitals and you know emergency services. Um, it, you're responding to, you're reacting to something in church. You have there's a lot of planning. We have a lot of right. a lot of meetings planned, and sometimes I struggle with that because I'm looking at it from a very simple. What can I simply do to right. to accomplish this program? Not that I'm trying to get out of something. Just saying, what's the simple approach? So. I simply serve. Now, again, that also stems back to my grandmother's teaching because I would say, oh, I don't, I can't do any of that. Yeah, you can't. Just simply serve. Just simply serve. And I don't hundreds and hundreds of times she repeated it. Yeah, you can. Just, hmm. just be simple. Don't, don't make it anything bigger than it is. Just simply, just be there. Just simply serve. And I love the, the focus on service. It's, Oh yeah. yeah. We're called to be servants. Absolutely. And when <laughs> I don't think we always fully grasp what that means, that means it's not I mean it's like it's what Jesus said, not my will but yours. You probably don't always want to answer that phone. You're probably yeah. You, you you probably look at that and think, "Man, I'm tired. I was in the middle of sleeping." But you answer it because that is the service. You are of a service to others, mm-hmm. and we are all called to do that for each other. Yeah. And how crazy would it be if everyone did it? You wouldn't need anything. If everybody was in service for everyone else, yeah. you would never need anything. Yeah. Everything would be taken care of. Yeah. That's crazy. Sure wouldn't want me here. I mean, I wouldn't be in this role here at church. We'd be taking care of each other. Hmm. <laughs> I like it, Bob. I like it too. I actually love it. What? Um, where do you see the church today? Like what? You're a wise dude. You're a wise guy. <laughs> um, what wisdom would you? You may not call it wisdom. I call it wisdom. Uh, what would you say? The, the church in 2021, and I'm not talking New Hope. I'm just talking the church. I mean, yeah, New Hope included, but, like, what could we be doing better as as followers of Christ? I, I, I will always say loving, loving better, loving stronger. And um, not that we're an unloving group, I think, of people, but I think a lot has changed this last year with this covid pandemic. I really do. Um, and the reason is, is we've all been affected. We're in, in something somewhat together, different strengths or weaknesses of, of things. We've handled things better than others, but we've all been affected one way or the other, where most of the time we're not. I mean, some people, when you have downturns of incon- economy, you know, they lose jobs. Other people, don't, you know, or just different things happen. But this has really brought people um, to a different place in their lives. Um, And a lot of it's not good. You know, there's a lot of loneliness. Um, The drug addictions are, and alcohol addictions are just really rampant. There's just a lot of things going on with a lot of people. Yet, we are also, I see people doing more and what I would say the church coming out of all of this is people are so eager to be with other people where we haven't really seen that. We haven't maybe paid attention to it as much that I'm finding that people are seeing this love love the Lord and love my neighbor greater and greater and greater. And I think we've tried to really show that here, you know, a lot more, you know, campaign, let's say, or whatever you want to call it, that we've been, you know, keeping alive and, you know, just taking care of people, loving people. People get can get behind that because they're starting to see it. You know, they've either received it or they're understanding. 
And I just think as the church grows, I, I think people are growing more in that, slowly, but growing more in that. Good. That's awesome. Um, well, do you have anything else you'd like to add? I mean, I think we covered the bases pretty well. Yeah. Awesome. Um, yeah. yeah, I mean, the, I, I hope to get more people on here talking about their faith stories like this. Um, I think we all come from different walks, and, you know, the, the last person I talked to was Michelle, and, like, I couldn't see, like, like your guys' stories are totally different, but mm-hmm. at the same time, like, it's all service to God, right? Like, yeah. that's that's what it's all about. Yeah. Awesome. I love the approach, man. And I'm glad you finally came on to the podcast because, man, I've had to dig at it. <laughs> yes, you have. <laughs> yes, you have. Well, awesome. Uh, thank you for uh, – thanks for having me. No problem, dude. Um, thank you guys for listening to Salty Saints. If you like what we're doing here, uh, give us a like, give us a follow, a subscription, a rating, comment, whatever um, the the uh, podcast – Uh, listening service you're using allows that helps us out if you've got questions send them to salty saints at becomehope.com or questions at becomehope.com and just make sure you let us know it's for salty saints Uh, but yeah thank you guys so much and stay salty do you ever hear sayings make their way through the culture and the church that seem nice in theory but are actually theologically problematic My name is Shara Donahue, and I'm the host of The Bible Never Said That, a podcast where we examine these popular sayings under the lens of biblical truth. We cover sayings like, God won't give you more than you can handle, time heals all wounds, and follow your heart. We also spend time exploring how people use Bible verses out of context. If you want to grow in discernment and truth, join us and subscribe at lifeaudio.com.